Yo, 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 welcome to another round in the house. I have a very special guest, Joya Eccles, fantastic writer from Black Spaceship Productions, new series, The Watchers, coming out, which is a really, really intense sci-fi, um, a lot of rich African characters, black characters in this intense sci-fi genre. Very happy to have you on, Joya. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Roger. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> Good to be here on your podcast. Definitely, definitely. Let's let's jump right into it. I was just telling you, I I, I sought you out after seeing this this really um um I I think I think it was just like sublime coloring and and this really cool line uh, of 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 characters and this like backdrop of like space and I was like whoa like let me let me let me seek this creator out because I really want to get. Um, their perspective and, and talk about this about this series. So before we get into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into writing. All right. So I grew up in Colonial Heights, Virginia. It's just like really small town uh, in Chesterfield County. Um, it's a pretty red area um, because a lot of people there, they're blue collar. You know, they work, you know, they're firefighters, police. A lot of military family. So when I went to school there, like I wasn't around a lot of military family. Um, and fortunately for me, as a child, um, even before I started kindergarten, I could already read above a first grade reading level. So for me, you know, when it came to writing, like I was doing that from a young age. I was writing and I was drawing from, from a really young age. That's how I expressed myself. Um, and engage with like uh, my 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 peers and that's something about me that um even in elementary school my teachers and my my classmates really appreciated about me <laughs> mm -hmm. um so the first the first comic book i, I got my hands on because before that i was like reading like novels like my mother had me reading like nancy drew because that's what she read when she was a kid or like you know pippi longstocking because that's the stuff she read when she was a kid um but she never touched comic books. And so, like, I was at a Goodwill store, and, like, there was this, like, stack of comic books, like, back in the 90s, like, stuff was cheap. You can go and get a Snickers bar for 50 cents. Now a Snickers bar is, like, what, like a dollar, dollar? <laughs> $2.89. <laughs> you go to a gas station, two eighty nine for a Snickers now. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that stack of comics, like, one comic was 25 cents. And my grandmother was like, you, on, you, you only get one. You, you, you can't get the full stack. So I got I got this comic called um, JLA, uh, World Without Grown-Ups, where all the grown-ups disappear, and then you have Young Justice League of America, and they have to keep the peace because all the grown-ups are gone. Superman's gone. Wonder Woman's gone. They're in another dimension. And so it was, like, an interesting, like, comic to, like, look at because, like, the colors were glossy. Everything was, like, glossy on it. Um, and then even the characters, like, they had this, like, it was American comic book, but it had, like, you know, the expressive, like, um, like, styles on the, on the characters that were mm. kind of, like, seemed like they were influenced by, like, like manga, like, Japanese comics. Mm. And so, like, that comic was, like, always, like, fascinating for me. Um, and, like, I tried to do my own comic, but, like, as a kid, like, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I'm focused on the writing, but then I have to focus on the art, too. So I was a kid constantly making all these, like, character designs. 
Like, I created this, like, this black superhero team where each one has, like, different powers, kind of, like, derivative of Power Rangers a little bit, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but a little bit different. I made it black. Like, everybody was black. That's, that's good. Were you so doing this as, like, a young, as, like, a young person <laughs> doing this? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Like, I was in elementary school doing this. Awesome. <laughs> So 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 like your your first writing experience was 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 through comic and comic development. Did you ever branch out and get into more like a narrative or like short stories, um, you know, even like blogging or journaling, or did you like jump? Did you try to transition right back into comic making? Just comic book making, because like when I was growing up, like we didn't even during the nineties. Like I my household, we didn't have a phone, we didn't have the internet. Well, my, my grandmother eventually did, because, like, the internet, what, came into existence, like, early 90s, like, late late mm-hmm. 90s, sorry, like, before 2000. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I kind of got exposure to, like, computers and stuff like that, but the internet still wasn't there yet. Um, and then the only channels that I had to watch as a kid, like, we didn't have cable. So, I had PBS, I had UPN, I had Fox, um, I had... ABC, NBC, just the network and, and PBS. That's all. And then the next thing I know, 2000, it, like, you know, late 90s. And then all of a sudden, okay, now I can watch the music videos. And then you got, you got Pink, you got Eminem, you got Jay-Z. Like, those are the sounds that, like, you know, came into, like, you know, existence, like, in those late 90s. Um, so, and then going, growing up in Colonial Heights, like, it's, it's, it's a different ball game because it's like you got you got black black kids listening to Eminem, you got white kids listening to Eminem, you got black kids listening to Kid Rock, you got white kids listening to Kid Rock. It, it didn't matter to us. Like race didn't matter. Like you listen to what you want to listen to. Like you just vibe to what you're gonna vibe to. Cause it's like it's a it's a rural area. Did you, um, <laughs> do you feel like you guys had a um that, that sounds it sounds like like pretty cool like to have to have like kind of barriers broken down like that do you think that influenced how did that influence like like your, your creativity it, it influenced my creativity because when i realized that like you know no like no one had an issue like if 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 i if i if i like like I just realized, like no one, no one had an issue issue with me. It was just like you know, do what you want. If you want to go play basketball, go play some basketball. Like if you want to go play some soccer with us, you can come play some soccer with us. Like, but I, I chose basketball, you know, because that's that's you know what what I was used to. But like no one ever, no one ever questioned like why you did something, why you did what you did. Hmm. You just did what you did because that's you. <laughs> Interesting. And like, and I, and I don't know if it's just like, if, it, if that's just Central Tidewater, Virginia or not, because it's like, you think of Southern Virginia, and if you think about hip hop, you think about Timberland, you think about Pharrell, and you think about Missy Elliott, <laughs> you know, these are the, the Southern Virginia artists, those are the ones who like, beat all categorizations, like you can't lump them in one thing, like, they can play on any beat. <laughs> mm. That's that's interesting. I, I do now that I kind of have that that background. I do want I want you to tell me a little bit more about about the Watcher. That's the um, the title series that you have launching uh, next. That was the one I was drawn to. Tell us a little bit about about that story. Give us a, a brief synopsis on on what's going on in the Watcher, the Watchers. 
so like I began to realize because like I, I studied a little bit of screenwriting because um, I, I understood that comic books like they're a visual medium as well as like what's on the screen but it's going to be a little bit different you know since it's static and so I would like kind of borrow from the screenwriters and like what they're doing, especially the ones who are writing for television. So I've listened to like all these like different podcasts um, of like actual like writers. It didn't matter what type of writer they were, like what medium that they were on. It's just the fact that they were a writer and that they were doing like the, you know, the, the thinking. How, how do you think like a writer? Um, so watchers like, funny to me because I kind of I did start it in college and when I graduated from Amherst College in 2011 um, I had the fortune of talking to Dan Brown because Dan Brown came back and you know he's a guy who wrote Da Vinci Code and like Angels and Demons and mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah yeah and he was like one of the reasons why I even chose Amherst College uh, for for undergrad so I was like, huh, like, cause I already read Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. And so he gives a talk about how he came out with, how he came up with Da Vinci Code. And he was quite honest because he said he graduated from college, you know, became a teacher and he just had failure after failure after failure because he wanted to do music, I think is what he said. Um, but he had married a he had married a, a woman. He had a good wife. She was like the one who brought forth the art history because he didn't do it all by himself. Like mm -hmm. he actually had like a lot of different like collaborators. Like his wife was one of his collaborators. So like all the art history stuff that is in Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons, his wife helped him with the research of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so so I go yeah, <laughs> and so I go up and I chat with him and I tell him about the story I'm writing. He's like. He said, Joy, if you, can't, if you can't say it in one sentence, you don't know what you're writing yet. Mm. And he was absolutely right. Like, you don't know what you're writing yet. Do, do, you, remember, so, do you remember, like, uh, do, you, do you remember what, like, what your pitch was at that time versus what it is now? Have you gotten better at that since? since? I, I had gotten better at it because, like, the pitch then was, like, it was just all over the place because, like, I had done so much, like, research. Like when I was in college, like I was, I was the one, like, cause I was a student worker. I worked in the library. So like, like every, every time I had my shift, like I had my earbuds in, go, go get my, get the, get the book thing to like bring it down, you know, to level. And I would always pick the B level cause that's the level where all, where the, it was, it, I always picked the level of the library that had all the English books, the film and media studies. So I could go basically go down in the comic book. So when I went down there and did my job, like, I could literally just flip through the book and just scan them and read them. And then I would decide, okay, like, I'll check this book out. And so I studied, I, 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 uh, I read a lot of, like, literature. I read a lot of comic books. I read a lot about religion and different types of religion. Um, one, of the, one of the classes that I took and that I really enjoyed, because, you know, you got, you got to remember, like, people's ages, like, you know, um, some of us millennials, like, I guess, you know, we came into existence, you know, George W. Bush uh, Jr. and, like, the whole 9-11 thing, like, that 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 event, like, marks a lot of millennials, especially the geriatric millennials, um, it marks us, 
because that was the time, because the 90s was a time when it was like, it was a good place to be a kid. It really was. Like, maybe it could be mm-hmm. depending on where you were, but it was. And then 9-11 hits, and, we, we, you know, that horrific thing happened. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, Muslims are to be blamed. They're a bunch of terrorists. And so when I went to college, like, I made sure, like, I'm going to study Islam. I don't know anything about Islam. I know a lot about Christianity because I grew up in the Bible Belt South. Like, I know about Christianity, but I, have, I don't know anything about Islam. So mm-hmm. I, may not have, not have, I may not have majored in religion, <laughs> but I made sure I took those courses. And so I studied, I, I learned about, like, okay, what is the Quran? Who was Muhammad? And, like, and learn about it historically. You <laughs> so know, that you, I could understand, oh. You bring up, <laughs> I, I, I hadn't really noticed, like, this, when you talk about, like, generations and, and times and eras, like, I hadn't really, like, parsed out our transition from modernism to what is now postmodernism. And like, I think I didn't really realize that, that you touched upon like the nineties and the two thousands being like this hot, this high point before what I think is kind of like a postmodernism being like, kind of like the downfall now, right? Where <laughs> a lot of the idealism, you know what I mean? Like, like touch upon this if I'm, if I'm hitting, yeah. if I'm hitting something, right. Cause like, you feel like modernism is like a progression, you know, even down from the steam engine to the to the jet, you know, to to, to diesel power, gas power, to jet power, to technology, all being kind of this this rising of the human experience to this like the 90s and like crisscross and TLC being like literally like the utopia that we are <laughs> only like like we're able to experience. <laughs> and then like, boom, like now we got 9-11. And and this uh-huh. this like uh, uh, this post postmodern where like the idealism is kind of fleeting and and really much harder to to hang on to that idealism. What what do you think about that? I I think it is harder to, to hold on to because I know like talking to like you know people that are closer to my age like everybody likes Batman now and the Joker, and I'm like I still like Superman. <laughs> It's even reflected in the comics and what we like and what are what we're drawn to. <laughs> and what we're drawn to, because um, everything everything has gone like you know so so dark. Like it's even even stuff like, um, I watch certain things and I'm like, well, where's the joy? It's too dark. There's no joy in it. Like where where's the um, where where's the sense of sense of humor that's not so dark because like if you if you because if you read like a, a british novel like it's a lot of dark but there's subtlety there's a subtle sense of humor and it's like and i, I feel like people don't really know how to have a subtle sense of humor anymore it's just it's just all mm-hmm. dark it's, it's either like <laughs> dark or stark right where it's like uh like very like in your face or like breaking down of people as like a humor point <laughs> You know, somebody's pain. <laughs> somebody's pain being like everybody else's humor point, uh, not a, not a shared okay. humor or a shared experience that we all kind of enjoy together. That, that, that's 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 really interesting. Do you feel like your theme? Tell me a little bit about your main characters, and then like, and then tell me how some of these themes kind of play out in 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 your storylines. So I'm I'm gonna talk about the first the first issue um, because like that's like the main character is uh, is Danielle like she's the the army captain um, and she's like stationed out in in Djibouti Africa um, her, her cause, like 
her family history, like she was raised by her grandparents. Her her father is um, you know, four star general, currently NSA director at the start of the of the comics. His wife, she's a stay at home wife, she's always been a stay at home wife. Um, and so Danielle has pretty much like she has walked in her grandfather's footsteps. And she's like, you know, the good daughter, basically, for having walked in her grandfather's footsteps. And she chose Army too. He's Army General. And so she's stationed she's stationed out there in Djibouti, Africa, like things are happening, like I set I set the comic in the DMV area. Cause like the DMV area you know, there are a lot of politics, a lot of, like, military people, retired people, you know, even people, you know, working in the uh, intelligence agency. Like, they're all located there, right? And so I felt like, you know, once I got there and I started living there, I'm like, okay, this is the best location, the best location for the comic book. And so... And, like, D.C. is, like, really where I learned about, like, politics, like, geopolitics, global politics, because that's, like, pretty much all people talk about around there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that's all they talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was developing the comic, like, it made it easier to do it because then all of a sudden, okay, like, I'm in this area, I'm living, I'm breathing it. It's all in the air. It's in the air I breathe there. I, and so... I'm I'm a huge political uh, animal, kind of like I, I, I'll, I'll be at work and like uh, just like listening to to the talking heads talk politics, you know, like spanning the the, the genres. It seemed like a really interesting, um, conf, you know, uh, a style of conflict to have in a comic book is, is like these political is are there like factions or what is the political uh, landscape in, in the book? Well, I haven't really developed one yet um, because, like, I only so like I I blocked out like five issues, and I kind of I still wanted to be like very human because I feel like that's a problem with like a lot of stuff that's like very political. Mm -hmm. They forget how to keep it human mm -hmm. um, because like people when they when they watch when I watch something when I read something like I'm not drawn to the politics, like I'm not drawn to the talking heads. Like, I'm drawn to the human elements of the people that are involved. And so, like, mm -hmm. with my comic, I'm really trying to keep it grounded in those characters. So, like, the first issue is going to be it's fully, it's fully grounded in Danielle. Mm -hmm. The first five is probably more than likely going to be fully grounded in her. And, like, her, her story, her family history. Um, because, like, that's the only way that, like, my reader is going to be get sucked into it. Because if I just do all the talking heads, like, people will read it. But, like, they're, they're just going to constantly be like, well, what's this about? Like, it's not about anything. Cause it's like, like, for me, it's like, I read, um, uh, what's his, uh, the guy who, who wrote Infidel, mm -hmm. um, where it's just like five issue miniseries that he, he pitched the Image Comics. Um, and it's a phenomenal series because it, it's political, but it's not focused on the politics. It's focused about, it's, the focus is on this, like, Middle Eastern woman who's living in this apartment complex where all these horrific things had happened. And so then you have all the demonic presence, presence, you know, that, that needs to be exercised from the apartment building. Cause there was all this, like, you know, someone set a, set a bomb to the building and it killed some people. Some people live and the building still stands. And so this whole issue of like, 
you know, what do you deal with, like, you know, how, how does, how does racism manifest itself in the American society? And he had, they had it manifest itself through demonic activity. Mm. Where people really don't know what they're doing. They just get possessed by some demonic spirit that's been in a place for so long. <laughs> and so, and then they just start, you know, doing things to this volition. It just, it just grabs hold of them. Like, you know, that, that, that venom, a movie, a uh, uh, music video with Eminem, like you get hit with that venom. Mm-hmm. Like so, I started having to like look at things through, through that lens. Like always keep it, keep the human element, because then because people are just gonna be like, "What is this?" It's like, like cause I don't want it to be like MSNBC or CNN and listening to all those talking heads. Yeah, because that doesn't that doesn't reach anybody. <laughs> so, so I, I I like I I can appreciate that. Um, I can appreciate that because I I do think the human element is much is much more of a draw long term. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Dan, you know what what moves Danielle as a character? What what are some of her goals? What is she, what is she dealing with with in you know contextually around her, and how is she what how is she driving through that um, with with uh, uh, what do they call it with agency? Because with, with her like. I took, I took a lot of black studies courses in college like I really did and like one of the things that like struck with me based, based upon stuff that I was read is like this notion of like of the abyss and the wounding and, and the trauma and like I honestly I don't at this point from having read stuff about like you know trauma signs at this point like I don't care who you are I don't care what race you are like everyone's hit with some form of trauma and so with the, the Danielle character like you know, she knows who she is through her grandfather, but her grandmother doesn't know who she is. And so, you know, she was hit with, like, some form of amnesia. And so, you know, she she's basically, it's, this char- it's basically Danielle's this character who she's trying to find her way in her, through her life. And her her grandfather is the, is the, is the, is the, is the one who is the strong one who, you know, he pretty much, he knows, like, who he is to his entire, like, gene- genealogy line. Like, so he knows strongly who he is. And so, uh, um, you know, I kind of want that to be a family. It's a military family, generation after generation. Like, you know, his 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 folks, you know, they, they know who they are. And so it was easier for Danielle to follow in the footsteps of her grandfather to be an Army captain. Um, but then she doesn't know this other aspect of who she is because she doesn't know who her grandmother is and her grandmother doesn't know. So, and in the very first issue, like the grandmother starts having these, like these episodes and these like fainting spells and it, it, it knocks her back. And like, she realizes, okay, she's from this, it's like kind of like the Superman story. He's from Krypton. She's from another planet. Mm-hmm. You know, she came here because kind of like Krypton, there was stuff going on down over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she was sent here because they had to protect an ancestral line. <laughs> some people on the other planet want to cause some chaos. <laughs> and so, like, I'm doing a similar thing, but it's not Superman. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's <laughs> I don't. I don't think su- I don't think Superman originated <laughs> that uh, that uh, <laughs> that dichotomy either. I, I think you can find real historical events where family and back to the human element where families are having to make these decisions like literally like World War Two, 
know, Vietnam, if you take, you know, you know, even now down in Ukraine, like people are having to make make these decisions, right, to leave or stay, to fight for nationalism or fight for my life. Um, right. What, you know, hey, I'm, I'm putting my family on a train, but I have to stay. And, you know, you know, as a, as, as mothers and fathers, um, men and women are choosing to fight. Um, but maybe they're, you know, they're, they're progeny, they're, they're the children or the, the young people. They're not ready for that decision and shouldn't be exposed to it. So, but they, but they can't follow either. So, so you know, right. kind of send in, send in that, that next generation to, to find roots somewhere else and how well will they remember you know the experiences and, and the history that that of where they're from oh man i, th- I think it's really deep joy i think it's a really good concept thank you yeah. tell us a little bit about about the art behind it um how did you find your artist what has been kind of kind of the the work and relationship you have have developed through the course of 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 the production thus far been a very slow thing because like I look I, I looked at I looked at her portfolio first and then I kind of I saw like okay like because like you look at an artist's portfolio like can they do more than just pinups and and cover art like what 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 is like the actual skill level so then she actually had like sequential pages and then I could kind of see okay this is how she does her visual storytelling like because she tends to go for like the bigger panel where so you can have the the wide like spacious views so you can actually see the setting and then she she can kind of she can zoom in and like then you look at the you see the characters so she's not the kind of artist where you know she's going to you know do these like small little panels like some artists do which is fine mm-hmm. but like it so for for me when like I wrote the script and like and I saw like what what she was doing, then I some and sometimes I had to go back and re-edit the script because I had to edit it for the artist at that point because I couldn't push against her grain because I can easily edit my script, but she can't easily like change the way she creates art. Mm. Um, I, I think uh, I think the last several creators I've I've interviewed have have had a very similar experience and that's what i meant about like development because it's always a development in that in that relationship and that from that immediate connection to like having a good rhythm with an artist and a writer because it is it's two different perspectives how do you articulate what's in your mind and the story you want effectively um but leave room for the artist because they're gonna they're gonna be doing some problem solving in your favor as they're as they're making as they're making um you know the panels or the, or the page or the character however you want it um there's some artists some creators that like are very specific like i want this 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 and if it doesn't come back they'll let the artist know like no that wasn't it there are others who maybe like give think they know what they want and give as much detail as possible but the artist always sends something back where you're like man i'm gonna actually add that little totem into my into the story or Man, the way that 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 outfit flows, or you know, some other aspect, like now I have more ideas for how to write, and it seems like it was a very similar experience to you, for you. I, I wrote it like a screenwriter. The screenwriter, you don't you don't tell you don't tell the director how to direct. And so when I wrote when I wrote the script, like I didn't tell the 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 artist how to how to draw it. I was just like, here here here's the mood I'm setting. This is the atmosphere. 
these are the emotions like, and, I, and I, I wrote I, I wrote in such a way where she could pick up on what the emotions are like the, the emotional impact of it and so then she'll start adding certain stuff and I'm like wow well that really helped this this scene I would never have thought to do that as the writer but she did because she's the artist so I just let I just let her have it just like okay and so then there became a point where there's certain stuff I can pick up on like um so like you know, like when like when artists draw, like sometimes there's like these tangents where the art it, it kind of comes together at a particular point. Like it, like let's say it's like a like a like a, a character and they're too close to the door frame, where like that that character's back, and then the line, the straight up and line down line of the door frame is too close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. since she yeah, so since she showed me, she just showed me her her pencils. And then she'll uh, like this, just the, the rough sketches, and then she showed me the pencil. And then once it got to the pencil stage, like I would like I would eyeball it quickly because like I would I didn't want to be too nitpicky. But if I saw a tangent, like I would just get basically get my tablet, do a red line, and be like, "There's a tangent there. Could you could you fix that, please?" And then she would fix it. And so there came a point where she was like, "Well, you've made me a better artist because like mm -hmm. you're you're since because I I draw myself and like I already know how to do it." But it's just a matter of like you can't be editing your own work, and <laughs> that that that's enough to drive anybody crazy. Mm -hmm. Unless you happen to be like who, like um, a Renaissance artist, like Leonardo da Vinci, you know, living in a world with no internet, no nothing, and so all he has is all the time in the world <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to 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 be this Renaissance artist, like all the time in the world, no distractions. You know, all he's doing is going around and talking and having conversations with people. You know, getting his work from the church, you know, to do stuff for them, you know, like, you know, he, all the all the other Renaissance artists, that's like pretty much all they did. Like, all they did was create. And they were able to get like, you know, commissions to just do that specifically. Like, it was just a whole different world, a whole different ball game than what we have right now. Like, our world is way too, there's too many distractions. Mm. And I, so, like, you I know. I was just having that conversation uh, today with, with with the Royal House team. And like, even like, I was just expressing about like, even myself, like as a writer, and as I'm starting to produce books and market books and publish and do all the back end like business stuff. Um, I found that like my art, my tr the art that got me started in this is always taking the back seat. It's like, I gotta give my time to my job first. Can't squeeze out my family time, which should be flipped. It should be family first, then job, but we can't even really make that 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 first like prioritization because we got to make money for our family or that's the that's the way the equation is laid out for us right so i gotta go spend 40 hours a week just to make ends meet and i'll I'll squeeze in my family time in between that how do you how are you approaching like balance that balance in that like, well first off i'm single i don't have any kids so that made it easier uh, but then when it came to like dating and stuff like that, like especially dating in like an area like the DMV area, like because it's so highly political, like people aren't really, I don't know, the dating scene was kind of weird. So then I reached this point where it's like, you know what, like let me just focus on this comic book. And some people, I guess, were trying to say that I was being antisocial. But I'm like, well, you know, I'm 32 years old. 
I've lived like all of my life. I've had all the experiences that I, I have, I want to have as a single person. Because um, I just realized like things are about like, you know, it's, it's your value system. And like, I begin to realize my value system, I have the Southern value system. Like, because I can't, I can't ignore the fact that like I grew up in Colonial Heights, Virginia. It's an area that's red, as red as can be. It's conservative, you know, you know, they vote Republican. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, and I can't, you know, because, like, you know, Southerners, like, we don't go around spending our money all the time. We don't do all that clubbing. Like, we don't do that. Like, if you're a Southern, Southern, you brought it with those Southern values, you don't do that. You don't you don't go to these bars and constantly spend your money. You, you basically are like, I'm going to be on my porch, get my six-pack, mm-hmm. And, and drink my beer on my porch. <laughs> and if and if I'm gonna invite some people over, I'm gonna invite some people over to watch the football game and they're gonna be my family. They're gonna be my cousins. Like not gonna be any outsiders. Mm. Because I started realizing in certain areas like the big cities, people use the term friend, they use the term family way too loosely. Yeah. And so then I start I stopped understanding what people meant by the things that they were saying. <laughs> well you know what I like I I've had to make the like I, I've I've had to like tell. There's always a birthday. There's always a celebration. You know, nephew's party, yeah. uncle's party, grandma's party, and like yeah. you'll be at somebody at an event literally every weekend. All that extra free time is is back filled up again. Um, and I I've had to do the same thing this past year. Just like no, I'm at home. I'm writing or I'm marketing or I'm finding some time for self care. Um, you know, finding some spaces just to like not be going anymore. And the real family, they pick up right where you left off. If you know, if yeah. you, you're right. And then the one, you, you can parse the ones that are like, wait, where you been? Like, oh, you didn't miss my party the other day. <laughs> you know, what, what's up oh. with you type of thing, right? Now that you're feeling comfortable, yeah. now that you're feeling comfortable in that space, like, what's next for you, like, in the writing? Like, what's, like, what's, what's the goal for this book? And, and kind of how are you pushing to, like, you've made a lot of progress. How are you pushing to the to the end game uh, as an indie publisher with, with watchers? Uh, with, with, with watchers, with, with black spaceship productions, like I'm, I'm basically using like the Hollywood studio system. Um, but it, but it's different from the Hollywood studio system in a sense that this is just a company of one. It's just, it just, it just, it just, it's just my, my creative venture. And so it's like, for me, it's like, okay, I put all this money, this money, this money into it from my full-time job, like into this comic, like into this, this LLC, which has produced this, just the comic book itself. Um, and so like, I put all that time and that, that energy into it, but then like in order to get it to the finish line, like, what do I do? Do I crowdfund it? And if I crowdfund it, who do I choose? Do I choose Kickstarter? You know, and then the politics of it is like, you know, people are mad that Kickstarter switched to like, they're switching to like blockchain and like using, using cryptocurrency in some capacity. So like some people call themselves ticked off with that. Do I choose Indiegogo? And then some, you know, people are ticked off with Indiegogo because they allow, you know, people from the, you know, the right radical wing extremists, quote unquote, to like crowdfund certain things that people found distasteful. Mm-hmm. Or do I choose a crowdfunding vehicle like Zoop, 
um, which is just in its infancy, that actually um, works, you know, with whoever they partner with to actually market um, the the comic. So that's one route with just like the crowdfunding. And we or, were talking. We were talking earlier. Tell us a little bit more about Zoop. Um, I don't think people are familiar with that platform. Why did it? Why did it stick out to you as a good option? Uh, because they do more of like the blockbuster model. Like they're very selective as to like what comic that they comic they choose. Because like, have you have you have you uh, heard about the difference between the blockbuster model and the long tail model? No, when no. it comes to um, business, entertainment business. I, I haven't. If you can re just review it real quick for for me, I'd love to know about it. So histor historically, Warner Brothers that was the first studio to like outstrip the other Hollywood like uh, studios um, because they pushed they pushed this tempo model like this blockbuster model. So uh, when they really like they they're the ones who had Harry Potter. They had Harry Potter. They had had the the Dark Knight series with like Christopher Nolan as the is it yeah Nolan as the director of the Batman. And so that year when they pushed they pushed their four big movies that year. And so for every quarter, like fall, spring, summer, winter, they had four big movies that they pushed. And those four big big movies, they made all the money that Warner Brothers needed to sustain itself as a studio. But they still had their other little itty-bitty movies, but those itty-bitty movies bankrolled the big major money makers that they had for that year. So that year, they made more money than any other studio, Hollywood studio, ever that year. Like revenue wise, mm. they made the most. <laughs> okay. Um. So, so the long tail model, like that's the indie stuff, and like they, they Warner Brothers will still do the indie model because like Warner Brothers, like they do fund like independent ventures, but like that's not gonna make them money. Cause it's like it's like it's like um, give an example. Um, the director Ryan Coogler, like he didn't start out with Creed. He started out with like Fruitvale Station, right? Yeah. Yeah. But Creed, like, you know, that first movie, I still say it's the best. It's like, I, I think, I, 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 me personally, like, I feel like it was the best, it was better than the second movie. Second movie, like, there are elements that I like because they brought brought back, like, you know, the Russian piece, the Russian boxer. You know, that was interesting. But, like, the, the first movie was special because it was, like, Ryan Coogler directed it. And it, so it was very much, like, you got to know um, young Creed really, really well. Because it was like even how it was filmed, he filmed it in the indie way. Mm. But Creed, Creed made a lot of money, and like the the the, the uh the even though I think Creed like wasn't the budget small. Uh, I I I think it was like by comparison that's still one of like the lowest um, like initial investments and high return. That's always how they judge movies, like. You can have a big budget, but if you, you know what I mean, like the bigger the budget, the harder it is to make, to make, you know, money on it. So I think Creed had this had the success in that way, the the first one. Yes, and so like for me, like I don't like one thing that was hard going to a liberal arts college it was always this dichotomy: either you you make money or you don't make money. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, and like, and then once I started like once I got to law school and I started using their library and I started reading about like the entertainment business itself and how it works. Like, there is no scarcity in the entertainment business. It's all about like making this like slow, it's a slow buildup. It's like a snowball going down a hill. 
Like you just you start you start with your small little team, and you do your small little discrete concrete project that has a beginning and middle and an end, so you can see the finish line. Um, and like Ryan Coogler, like it, it became a point where it was just like, oh my god, like we're the same age. Like I'm the same, we're practically the same age. <laughs> You know, and like, I used to think that like, in order to like make it in that industry, like you had to do certain kinds of things. And then I began to realize like, no, like Joy, stick to what you know. Cause like, cause like even like with like James Clear, like his method of like productivity, you start small. Like, you know, you don't have to make these big moves. You make the small moves. And something that James Clear, cause I read Atomic Habits, I had always been on his newsletter, like since like, I was in like law school. I think I was on his newsletter and getting his like his his, his, his like his tit, little little tidbits and advice. And one that struck with me, he he basically said like, because like you basically if you started doing something from a young age, you keep doing that. And so for me, it was like okay, if I started doing comic books at such a young age, and I'm always constantly studying, and I and it, it, it's it's my first love, and it's something that I never never drew away from. Then like, you know why? Why? Why would I? Why would I stop before I've actually finished something? You know, Joya, that's that's so hard. <laughs> it's it's really interesting <laughs> you say that because I think so many people, that's that's, uh, that's the proposition, is can I do what I love to do or do I have to do I do what I have to do? That's always it's either right red pill blue pill. It's always like one or the other, and I think. We tend to to fall on the safety because because that's most immediate. That's our id, right? How am I going to eat tomorrow? How am I going to keep a roof over my head? And we always push the e ego and the super ego like down. And those are like are really our true selves, our imaginations, our 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 personal desires. And we always tend to push that down. Um, and it's tough because like, how do you just live on 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 a dream? How do you just live on a dream sometimes? You can't. You can't just live on a dream. And like, and I never have lived just lived on a dream. Because even with me, like, okay, I graduated from college. I work in a Dollar General store. Like, that's literally what I did. Like, yeah, I, I graduated from Amherst College, supposed to be like the most elite, prestigious institutions in America and globally. It's like one of the best liberal arts colleges in the world. Mm -hmm. Like, people go to Amherst College from all over. Like, Nigeria, Kenya. China, Beijing, China, the UK, like from all over, they go to Amherst College. But I literally graduated and worked in the Dollar General store. <laughs> and it was fun. Like, it was what it was. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't, like a lot of my classmates, like, I'm not a trust fund baby. A lot of them are trust fund babies. They won't ever tell you that, but they are. <laughs> um, you know, and like, you know, I could have been salty about it, but if I was really salty about it, like I would have just called it quits long ago. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> like, I, I listen to I um, <laughs> I listen to like uh, uh, Steve Harvey a lot, and he, he he talks about what we're talking about now and like making the jump, um, the jump in faith, um, and and making things more than just a dream, and that's like action. And you just you, we've been talking about this like you're. Even this, despite like the uncertainty of what the book is going to be, this was a passion of yours since you were a kid. You're exploring it. You're acting on it. 
if we had, if we treat our dream the way we treat our job, if I spent 40 hours a week on my writing, my business, my marketing, if I spent that much time, it'd probably be paying me as much as my job, if not more, because I value myself a lot higher than my job does. Any job would. It, it, that's purely like uh, cost, like cost, uh, uh, you know, uh, output relationship. Whereas my my value is like, like super personal. I know what I'm bringing and, and know how important these things are. Um, so it's it's tough. It's not it's not easy. But like if like you're working, it's not sometimes like like you were saying, like uh, making the right moves, like sometimes it's just making moves because you're going to learn. So sometimes just making moves, any moves, writing, taking that idea and just writing like a first opening or log line or something is is part of part of the part of the process in the first step where where are you going next what's what's next for for you where where are you at right now and what what do you need to in order to get this to get this moving for you i'm just i'm just gonna have to, to suck it up and um Either go and go go the crowdfunding route. I'm just I'm just gonna have to suck it up. Um, Cause like for me, like I'm the kind of person like you know like most Southerners like we're we, we're self reliant like that. That is the Southern way. We're very self reliant. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I I don't like to shock it up to like a Southern value system like blue collar value system, but it kind of is. We're self sufficient. Like. Um, I'm just going to suck it up and like resort to like, you know, pitching it, you know, to some kind of crowdfunding, you know, platform, like one where, you know, they admire the blockbuster and they admire the long tail, but not like necessarily pushing all the burden upon the creator's shoulders. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I'm going to have to suck it up and just realize, okay, like I have to partner with somebody. And if I partner with somebody, it's a business, so they're going to take a cut of that business. Yeah, I can be selfish and be like, "Hey, like, I'm just gonna do it all by myself. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fund it all by myself. It's my, it's completely mine. Nobody else's." Or I can suck it up and sign a contract and just be like, like, like they all do. <laughs> At some mm-hmm. point, you have to. There's only so far that any loan creator can go by themselves. There's only so far, yeah. and so that's something I learned from law school. Like, and when I learned the business, like, there's only so far because everyone has to sign that bottom line at some point. Yeah, <laughs> you got sign that I will. I will use this <laughs> uh, opportunity to really shout out Royal House because we're we're an eleven person team, eleven people that we I j- we just met. We meet biweekly, like we don't miss a week. Where we meet biweekly and move projects forward. Hey, what are you working on? We learn from each other, and and we've gone on a year. And I think a lot of people see like my posts and think Royal House is me. Um, so that, like I got like a lot of pushback like man you're moving too fast you're always like you're always like you man like you're flooding <laughs> flooding uh, flooding the feeds with all this stuff I'm like man like like it's not just me like a lot of people can't 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 move as quickly as as I can because it's not just me it's it's a whole team we have four writers we have seven artists from across the globe that are all locked in so you realizing that even just one more person or, or, you know, so, you know, a support system around you that are helping you like, like, uh, you know, Brown did with, you know, with his, with his wife, his partner, somebody that's available to support him is super important. 
tell me a little bit about like why it's important like why why it's so important to make comics now like what what's what's the space the indie space looking like um why is it so important for you to to get this book out and tell your story in, in that space important because I don't I don't think it's like a story that's been like told before because it's like I don't I don't I'm not watch anything where there is like a black hair black female character who is the, is, is the hero because like I'm a fan of James Cameron like and he's like one of those like men who has like pushed like he's the reason why when it comes to the movie business why we even have like you know, female heroes, and when it comes to the blockbuster movie, he pushed that with with, with Terminator, um, and because like at that time, Hard was like, oh, like nobody's gonna go out and see this, but they did, and like, and then Terminator, that's the franchise, you know. But he, the way he started, because like, I read his bio, the way he started, like he was just you know the average Joe, like he literally had to like learn everything himself. Like learn every single job, you know, to to, to do what he did, um, and like I admired that because he he's blue collar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he came from Canada, but you know, blue collar all the way. Like, and um, and so like you know he, he kind of inspired me, and then like some people get mad with me. They're like, well, why why are all these white men inspiring you? And it's like, well, because they're bold. Like he like he was bold in that way. Mm-hmm. To just be like, you know, look, like, I got this dream, I got this passion, I'm going to keep pursuing it, even if I have to freaking be a janitor. <laughs> like, same with Stephen King, like, if I if I got to be a janitor, I'm going to be a janitor. As long as when I come home, like, I can work on my freaking comic or my writing is for him. Like, if I got to teach, I'm going to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, no job is beneath me. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> my job is and, and my I dream. feel like, Right. It's one in my dream. Like I don't have to work. And it's like if I have to work in an office and work forty hours, and like you know, you know they don't they don't want me to work on my passion project. And it's like why well, I work forty hours in an office job? No matter how much money they're giving me, like it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if I can't come home and work on my passion. <laughs> yeah. Like it's the same thing with people's families. Like if I if they don't care, people some people don't care what job they work. If I can't come home and take care of my child. <laughs> Like, you know, make sure they go to and from school and they and they can come home with some food. Like, what's the point? That job isn't worth it. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, there's something um, unique about a book, too, as, like, something to create. Because, like, I can make a burger and sell it. Somebody consumes it and I got to make another burger. I got to buy more materials. Make a shirt, right? I, I got to buy the raw materials for the shirt, the screen printing, sell it. They consume it. And then I got to make another shirt. Um with a book is you it's very right once you have the yeah like like that's it's very powerful to have that one thing that you never have to write again that i can sell in perpetuity it's it's very powerful in that way and that's the beauty of arts and entertainment like because it's like i i started seeing like the the indie comic sphere it just it's just like music like you you got somebody like you know where do you get the raw talent from like there comes a point where like you know, those like working for like the corporate America, you can't get that raw talent from them because you only get the raw talent from someone fully embedded within like their community mm-hmm. and who doesn't forget their roots. It's like the moment they start forgetting the roots, 
like the moment the music isn't as good anymore because like because I, I i listen to the rappers like i'll, I'll follow i'll follow their stuff religiously because i feel like you know a lot of us who grew up you know with the mute their music we do listen to it a little bit re- religiously mm-hmm. like um and they and they're quite honest in their songs about like you know how it works because it's like because like Jay Z, Eminem, like they're quite honest if you actually give it a listen, yeah. and follow them from like you know all their albums and even when they started out like when they didn't even sign on the bottom line about like, being owned, right? Like pretty much like being owned again, like well, well not not being owned. It just it's more like, like it, it it comes to like this this point in time where like I guess if you if if this is why I like this. I want to stay in comics. The thing with comics is like, you, 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 no one gets famous from being a comic book creator. No one's famous. Like, if even, even if you listen to Brian Michael Bendis and have him tell it, like, no, like, we're not famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. at least, because like a music artist, your face is everywhere. Like, everybody thinks they know you and everything. Your face is everywhere. And like, yeah, you become famous. Like, I don't think it's so much so, like, you know, they become too corporate and it's like they have to start sanitizing themselves because they became famous. Yeah. <laughs> like the view of the comments, but you can end up being a writer, you can put all it all that you have in it. And then, you know, and then it then it goes goes away from you. And then it's like all of a sudden someone else has their hands on it. And then they do all the marketing, they do all the sales. And it's like sometimes sometimes that's just okay. That's fine. But then it's not yours anymore. Mm. Like no one can come back and attribute it all to you. Because then it's like you look at like a, a movie. And you see all the people who contributed to it. whose movie was it? Like, mm-hmm. is it the studio's movie, the Wish Studio? Yeah. Is it the main one that had all the financing, or is it the little mini studio, the ones who come with certain other things that the big major studio can't come with? Yeah. But it, this, this is why I can't, I can't like turn it into this whole blockbuster commercial versus indie because it's all one ecosystem to me. Mm. That's very powerful. That's that's, ex- that's extremely powerful. Um, as we're kind of getting towards the end, like a lot of people are listening. I, I think they're experiencing a lot of the same things that, that we've been talking about. Can you give me like a quick and dirty, like a hard lesson you've learned versus like an epiphany of something you've, you've like figured out mo- that you're going to use moving forward? The hard, the hard lesson was, was, was that, you know, cause it's like the, 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 there's no dichotomy anymore. Like there's like, there, there literally is no dichotomy. It's just like, just do, just, just do. Create something with, with a start to finish so that you have that to be able to show. And like work with some like good good people who, you know, your your team, like who's like actually the one who's like doing the interior art, the colorist and all that stuff. Like work with that team, keep that team small and, and, and just make sure that you can push out like that first, like minimum viable product. Just do that first. Um, and then from there, then you got to make a decision because it's like, because someone, someone once in life told me, they gave me the sailboat, sailboat metaphor. Like when you, when you ride in a sailboat, like you, you have those new sails. And the thing is you can't control the wind. You can't, and the wind is like what you need in order to direct your sailboat. Um, so a skillful sailor, you have a destination. And let's say it's from one dock to the next dock. You left that dock, and now you're trying to sail to the next dock. Like, let's say the wind is blowing against you, or the wind is blowing all different ways. If you can adjust those sails, 
you can get it to get get that sailboat to that dock. It's just a matter of how are you gonna adjust the sail. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and like, and so someone someone wise told that to me, and like that has has guided me. It's like it's like it's like um, I feel like people should just like stop the comparison trap and just basically focus on you. What are your what are the tools you have? Because I feel like at this point, like if you like are in the United States of America and you and your you're in, you you got out of school like whatever schooling it is, you already have the tools. Like I, I really don't feel like anybody needs to be going if you don't want to go to college, don't go to college. You have the tools. You could probably just go to your public library and check out the same books I read in college. Yeah. You could go on Amazon and, and read the same freaking freaking book that, that I read. Yeah. You can go on message boards and talk and communicate with people now. You don't have to go to some liberal arts college and like talk to people and be in this classroom setting environment. Twitter is that now. Yeah. Like you know, it, it really, it legitly is. <laughs> and, um, like, you know, like, and in some respects, too, like, well, I went to law school. And so that's how I learned, like, you know, it, the dichotomy doesn't exist. Like, it's just a matter of, like, of using your skill set to the best of your ability. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that. You know? I, I really appreciate that, that, um, you know that articulation of that of that relationship and and empowering people that are listeners to to kind of take that that nugget and and be confident doing you know living their dream how do, how do we support you jo- uh, uh, joya um where can people find you and, and we're going to be looking for a kickstarter coming up is that going to be on zoop or how how will we be able to track it I don't know if it'll be on kickstarter because i don't necessarily know whether i like their business model mm-hmm. Um, because it's all based upon like, like how many, how many people are on your email newsletter, mm-hmm. like basically, cause it's like, if, if, if you don't have enough people on your email newsletter, um, who, and who, who are going to RSVP to fund it, like nobody else is going to see your Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for me, like it's, it's gonna, it's gonna have to be one where that's like going to be highly selective as to like who, who they, who they go with. Cause like. Um, because I, I see some sort, I see some wisdom in it. Um, so it, it might, it might be Zoop, it might not be, but like I had to go through their selective process. Are you, um, on, are you on social media so people can follow you on social media and, and yeah, I'm and, on, I'm on, so, so I have a, I have a website, um, blackspaceshipproductions.com. Um, you can, you're welcome to, to join the, the email newsletter so you can, you know, get, get the updates of like. Of uh, when um, the first issue of Watchers um, actually drops, um, whether it's like crowdfunding or you know, I end up having to do something else with it. Um, also, like Twitter, uh, there's you know at Black Spaceship, um, you know Black Spaceship B L A C K S P A C E S H I P and with another P for the productions part. So I'm on Twitter. Um, you can you know feel free. Um, to, to, to follow, um, cause like those are the Twitter and it's like a platform that I'm, I'm still going to be utilizing. Okay. Um, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for, to see this, to see this follow through. So I'm following you. I encourage my listeners to follow, uh, uh black spaceship on Twitter, two P's at the end. Um, follow the watchers. It's a very, cool sci-fi black sci-fi uh, uh um adventure 
Um, I saw the visuals. It's 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 incredibly well done. Uh, it's well written. You can see that right off from like literally from the from every single post. Like like it draws you in. Um, so go follow this fantastic creator, Joya. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm gonna be following up with you and, and and making sure that we support. So thanks again. All right. Thank you for having me, Roderick. Like I hope I hope this inspires somebody to like just go 